best relationships are built on learnable skills. The question becomes, are we willing to learn these skills in community? Join John and Sungshin Lop now as they bring your attention to the presence of God and practices that enable you to love deeply. In each episode, they'll explore the beauty and power of living in community where the practice of relational skills and the interactive presence of God are both learned and lived out. And now, to tell you more about today's episode, here's John and Sungshin. Welcome back. Hi, dear. Hello, honey. How are you doing? Good. Okay, good. So we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're here for our first official episode. The other one was the intro. And um, welcome to the Presence in Practice podcast. That's, we should say something like that every time, huh? <laughs> welcome. Welcome. It, we're, we're figuring our way out. Um, and, uh, you know, Sungshim and I, we taught a class at church and I'm going to just share um, the vision that we had for that because, you know, we're teaching these practices. And then, you know, I want to share, both my kids are in soccer. Uh, and so I have the soccer metaphor that the vision of soccer, you know, they go to soccer practice two or three times a week. And, you know, they do a lot of dribbling and ball handling, and passing, um, and a little scrimmage. But that's what they do a lot of. But the goal of soccer is not to become good at dribbling or juggling, or trapping the ball. The goal of soccer is to be a team that wins the game and scores goals more than the other team. In the same way, the goal of kind of our Christian life and the vision that we want to cast, that we learn from Dallas Willard, Jim Wilder, Edward Santana Grace, people like that, the goal is actually to become the kind of people that naturally love our enemies. For example, Jim Wilder says that is the litmus test of our Christian spiritual formation, our Christian life. Are we becoming the kind of people that naturally love our enemies? Now we will do like soccer. When Zachariah and Zoe go to soccer practice, they may do a lot of dribbling uh, for the whole hour, that one practice, but that's so that they are ready to become the kind of team that passes, dribbles, and scores more goals than the other team. So can we become the kind of people, and this is a team sport. Christian life, Christian faith is a team sport. It's not an individual thing that I feel more peaceful, peaceful, feeling peaceful, feeling grounded, you know, doing breath exercises, whatever exercises are good if they move us towards becoming those kind of people who love our enemies or are generous and give away freely without worrying if we get it in return or who can look at the birds of the air and not be worried for tomorrow because each day has enough to take care of itself. So are we becoming the kind of people? We, Sungshim and I, want to be reminded for ourselves. We are saying it for ourselves. We're saying it for our community. And if the Spirit is inviting you into that, remember, this is the vision are we becoming the kind of people who naturally does everything that Jesus taught us? So we hope you hear the Spirit whisper to your soul those types of things. Hun, what would you like to add or kind of... I really like that. Becoming the kind of people who naturally do what Jesus said. And I think what I wanted to add is... This podcast is about providing practices, like you say, the dribbling or 
juggling, whatever those are, we want to be able to provide those practices that have been helpful for us to be able to do the things that Jesus asked us to do because there was a big discrepancy between the vision and an actual day-to-day life. And sometimes even, honey, sorry to interrupt, but sometimes we don't even have the vision in front of us. I mean, I, I can speak for myself, and even as a family, we're like, oh, are we, are we praying before a meal, or are we going to church? All good things. But are we becoming the kind of people like that? We have to have a coach, and I mean, sometimes as parents, we might be the coach or to each other, but are we becoming those kind of people? And then I remembered that if you want some things that Jesus taught, you can look at Luke 6, the Sermon on the Mount is the shorter version, or Matthew 5 to 7 is the longer version. So it's we don't always even have it in front of our hearts, in our minds. It's not, it's not something that we're striving towards. So it's, we're speaking to ourselves. We're telling ourselves the truth about this too. Yeah, I think Dallas Willard talked about three different pathways to experience that uh, maturity or transformation. He's saying either I try hard because I love your enemy, then... I try hard, like even in the beginning of our marriage, I really find you as somebody, as my enemy. I don't know why, but I mean, go on. <laughs> the enemy, meaning someone who is causing pain in me. And, and it, it was hard. It was hard for me to do that. And I try what whatever I, the... I just want to say that it was hard for me too. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not <laughs> saying that it wasn't hard You're, for you. You were not the only one it was hard for. All right. So... So I, I love Jesus and I try harder and harder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I try, but I, anyway, I want to do. It's kind love. of like our own will. We're like, I'm going to make this marriage work no matter what, or I'm going to love Sungshim or John no matter what. There's that kind of like gut will. I think will is important, but I think uh, burned out. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there has been a phase of time that uh, I give up. Maybe this is me. I'm broken and John is broken. I cannot seem to become a kind of person who loves John naturally. So why don't I just give up and maybe rely upon God's forgiveness and grace? And that's what Dallas Wheeler said. That's a second way that people say, just kind of feeling defeated Right, so it's just like I'm a miserable sinner and there's really no hope. Just the hope is to rely on God's forgiveness. Right. You're saying there's, there's three ways. The first one is try harder uh, and to live up to what Jesus taught. Second, just live in defeat and realize like I'm a miserable sinner and a failure and just rest on God's forgiveness and grace and just leave it at that. There's, that's kind of limited growth. Right. But I think a third way that I learned, he called it, progress towards the character and power of Christ by indirection. And when I heard that, what caught my attention was the word indirection. And indirection means obviously not directly, just Mm. indirectly. (laughs) Wow, honey. (laughs) (laughs) 
Go so, ahead. No, no. So, so um, as I when I think about that, I think about mm-hmm. a lot of soccer metaphors here. Okay. But when like Zach Ryan Zoe go to soccer practice, sometimes they set up these cones, and there's three players on one side and three players on the other, and they do this thing between the cones that it's never going to happen in the game. There's not going to be like cones and three players and three players, and they're going to do this precise skill development mm-hmm. practice formation. Mm-hmm. But what will happen is there will be something. Similar, mm-hmm. there will be a facsimile, a, a likeness to that practice. They will be ready because mm-hmm. they've done it a thousand times already in the game. They're like, oh, this is what you do because their body remembers. Yeah. So then, instead of try to love John when John causes pain in me directly, mm-hmm. probably what I need to do is to learn to how to calm myself down. It mm-hmm. learning. How to return to yes when I didn't get what I want. Like all these different things and maybe also learning how to detect God's goodness in small things that John does. All this like seemingly looking different than love John when I'm in pain directly. I learned to practice different skills. Right. Indirectly. Like almost like there's like micro moments, micro skills that we can practice. Like mm-hmm. you even said a few, like quiet down, detect good things mm-hmm. in the other person. Right. Like those are sub skills or like even one skill all by themselves that you can practice over time. And then when it happens in real time, it, it's, yes. it just flows out of you. Right. That's what uh, Dallas Willard talk, talk about as a third option. And I think Richard... Faster, Mm -hmm. he calls it as a discipline grace. Right. Grace because it's free, Mm -hmm. it's God's work. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's discipline because there is something that we can do. So I think that combined, discipline grace Mm -hmm. combines those one and two. There is an effort, but also we need to rely upon God's grace. And I'm even thinking of the soccer metaphor. A good coach will arrange practices around intelligent skills the team needs to put in put effort into. Mm-hmm. So we have good coaches. I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit is the premier coach, mm-hmm. but we have other coaches, mentors, and even mentors in the faith over thousands of years. They have practices, an arrangement of practices that we can learn from. And that's some of the things that we're going to share in this series and in all of the series. But in this next series, we're going to share a handful of essential practices that connect us to the presence of yes. 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 Yeah, I love that. I personally really like God, thinking of God as someone who's saying yes to my essential or existential question. Mm. I think you are the one who taught me from a Mark Bradley, there is a big brain question mm-hmm. in our system. Mm. Can you introduce that? Yes, it's uh, Mark Brady. Brady. Yeah, that's okay. He probably won't <laughs> I'm listen sorry, to this. Mark. Yeah, yeah, I mean, now we're going to probably no. send it to him. <laughs> but we've learned a lot from Mark, and he's right. like just a premier guy, excellent guy. Um, I love what he said. He said, All of our brains, Mm -hmm. every single person's brain is asking this question. Mm -hmm. And this question is, will you be there for me? Hmm. And so, and actually it's been quite helpful in our relationship. Mm. Sometimes when I'm perceiving you complaining or that's my perception of you, 
I'm irritated or frustrated. I'm trying to understand you. I, when I can simplify and say, Sungshim's brain, Sung, at the core of Sungshim, she's asking, John, will you be there for me? Will you be with me in this? And that really helps me. Oh, I want to convey to Sungshim, yes. Hmm. Wow. So the reason that I like kind of the little subtitle that we are going to kind of dive into, meaning we are going to introduce some practices that connect us, the presence of, yes, ultimately our God who says yes to our brain question. Mm -hmm. When I say, will you be there for me? Sometimes my friend or my parents or even my husband, John, as lovely as you are, as loving as you want to be, you fail to say no to me. No, I've... No, I I do say no to you. That's right. I fail to say yes to yes. you. Is what, that's yeah. what you're saying. That's right. That's right. You fail to say yes to me. And I think the reality, this unseen reality of God's yes, mm. gives me so much comfort and put me at ease mm. mm-hmm. when I don't get to hear yes from you, mm-hmm. yes from my friends, or yes from my parents, or yes from my children. Mm. I have a place to go and be embraced by this big yes, which is God's presence. So at Mantra's Church, last four weeks, we taught those essential practices that have been helpful for me and you mm-hmm. to get connected or return to the presence of yes when we hear no from this world. And actually, it reminds me of a question that I think Dallas Willard says and other people say, we have to, this is existential question. Do we believe that the universe is a friendly place? <laughs> and, and if God is the one who created it and sustains it, and in Christ all things are held together, we're nudging you towards the answer is yes. This world is essentially a friendly place, a safe place to live. And that may take, you have a look on your face like, oh, I did not know you were going there, John. <laughs> and you, were, you might be how a lot of people are hearing this, like, uh, the answer is no, John. Mm-hmm. Talk to Jesus about it. Talk to Christ. Mm. Is this world essentially a friendly place? Mm. Is it held? Is, is it held together in Christ? And mm. is Christ a friendly welcoming place where he says yes to you, Sungshim. Mm-hmm. Yes to you, listener. I'm glad you're here. I want to be with you. I love you. And I'm coming alongside to support you in what you need in this moment. Amen. So I want to move into this little definition that I really love to demonstrate whenever I go teach. I have this bowl of yarn and I often illustrate what relationship is by throwing this yarn between these two people. Like if I throw this yarn to you, you catch the ball and you throw it back at me. And then while we are doing this uh, giving and receiving... or hold, and, and each time you throw it, like you can imagine this visual display... Um, Sungshim throws it to me, I, I catch it, and I hold on to a little piece of yarn. Right. I throw it back to you, you mm-hmm. hold on to a little. So eventually, there's maybe four or five or six back yarn and back and forth. Mm-hmm. So you can see that it has some uh, kind of tension to it and strength to it mm-hmm. with even just four or five. Right. So 
I illustrate what relationship is by showing this uh, interaction between two people. The reason is that relationship is not something you can see with your bare eyes, mm. just like the way that we cannot see God with our bare eyes, but he's real. Mm. The relationship between two people is the same way. You probably see husband and wife or the child and the parents, but then there's a third entity called relationship. This both of them, through their interaction, they create this strength of relationship. That's why some relationships uh, are strong, medium, or weak, Mm -hmm. meaning when the pain comes, suffering comes, a rupture comes, that strong relationship can handle the pain and then come out more strong. But then the weak relationship, something small Mm happens, yet yet it just breaks. And it's because there is a back and forth of Uh, interaction between two people. So obviously, you need to have a lot of numbers of interaction. We call it frequency. Mm -hmm. But then let's say there are a lot of them. But then the quality of that back and forth interaction is negative, not Mm life-giving. Obviously, that would not be a strong relationship or healthy relationship. And Gottman talks about somebody that Mm -hmm. we referenced, Dr. John Gottman in Seattle, a researcher in marriage for over 40 years. Uh, We reference this. So even if you're not married, um, the close relationships, he shows there's two categories, masters of marriage and disasters of marriage. The masters of marriage have a ratio of positive interactions to negative interactions. This doesn't just mean verbal exchanges. It's nonverbals. It's turning towards, Mm -hmm. it's like your eyes are open, you're listening, you're nodding your head. That's a positive interaction. Or saying, oh, hi, dear. Mm -hmm. Like that's a verbal positive interaction. A non-response is also a negative interaction. So the masters of marriage, during times of conflict or disagreement, they have a ratio of, what's your guest listener? Like (laughs) you can, I'd like to ask this and you can imagine, just think about it. What's the ratio during conflict? Mm -hmm. The answer is it's five to one. Masters of marriage have a positive ratio of five to one negative during conflict. And the disasters of marriage have a ratio of essentially one to one. Mm-hmm. Now, people might be wondering or they're, they're thinking, oh my gosh, that's impossible. We don't do that. And maybe you don't and maybe you have some other ways of repairing and reconnecting. Mm-hmm. But this is something that you can actually have a little vision. We want to make sure we have that ratio of five to one during conflict. And just in a little example of what that looks like, is if Sungshim's like disagreeing with me and we should do this or we should leave it this time or, or stay longer at the gathering or shorter, and I disagree, I could say, I see your point, honey. Mm. I, that makes sense. Hmm. I see where you're coming from. Hmm. That's, even though I don't agree and mm-hmm. it's clear, I'm just letting you know I see you. Mm. I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. During non-conflictual times, mm. the ratio is 20 to 1. Wow. I know, it sounds like a lot, huh? That's a lot. I used to think that one-to-one is a good marriage. You know what I mean? Because I I did something good, and then I did something wrong. So it's just like erase. It evens out. But, uh, you know, you can kind of think of just in life, it takes intentional and sometimes a lot of effort to build, create something, a home, a structure, but it does not take a lot of energy to destroy something. I mean, a simple match and some gas could mm. ruin an entire house that took 
six months to a year to build up. Mm-hmm. So likewise, the relationship is even a living organism. Mm-hmm. So we can even be intentional about that. So Yeah, so then going back to the quality matters, what I'm saying is in relationship, each interaction you are having with people, I'm talking about here with God, the quality matters. Mm-hmm. So whether you are conscious, consciously or non-consciously asking this question to God, God, will you be there for me? Mm. I am having a hard time. I am stuck in anger, mm. sometimes shame, and I'm really sad. Are you here? Are you here with me? And are you going to help me? Whenever we ask mm. this question and we throw our yawn at God, can we hear him saying, yes, my child, I'm here. And then the quality of interaction being yes is huge. And that we wanted to really increase mm-hmm. that interaction between you and God. And thus, hopefully, when you hear God's yes a lot, I hope that you naturally also give that yes to your children, give mm-hmm. that to your friend, give that to your husband and wife. That's what we are hoping So one simple concept that I want to touch upon before we actually introduce this simple exercise called breath prayer is that in the Bible, Jesus' name is Emmanuel. God is with us. Basically saying that Emmanuel means God speaks yes to us. Mm. We ask this question, will you be there for me? He comes down to earth and make home amongst us and mm-hmm. saying, yes, definitely yes, honey. I am here for you and with you. I live in you. I like that you said that's his big yes, because it kind of harkens back to the big brain question, which is, will you be there for me? Are you here with me? And Jesus has a big yes. And he says, yes, I'm right here. And my name is Emmanuel, and name means it reveals his character. Yes. He is the kind of God mm-hmm. who is with us in right. this moment. And even when you were saying I, that kind of a training, can we say to God, mm. I'm stuck in shame, or where are you, and I'm so angry, mm. which if you look at our mentors from thousands of years ago, and even in the Psalms, those prayers, some of them are like seriously upset doubtful, angry, questioning, lamenting, and they pour their hearts out to God. And that's a part of the training. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then I was always curious why they ended up coming to a place of, but I praise you, Lord, or I trust you. And in their back and forth of interaction, somehow those people hear God speak, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's my hypothesis, but I think that's my personal experience as well. So why don't we introduce this beautiful little practice? Everyone can do it. So one thing that I'm really passionate about is to make these kind of practices very simple and accessible and available. Maybe it comes from my own pain that since I grew up without much I wasn't able to access this privilege of learning how to play piano, how to draw, even purchase book. So if God's good news, the gospel, the accessing God's presence, it is true goodness, then it should be very 
easy for everybody to understand. Mm. The young and old, educated, non-educated, rich or poor, it should be easy and also very available. And the breath prayer, to me, the breath that we are taking is everybody's doing it. Mm. I don't know why I get teared up. I know, I was just going to acknowledge that, that, that those tears or that the voice, it, mean, it sounds to me that this is how important it is, that whether you have money to access things or not, or you know the right people or not, hmm. you want everyone to know that the essential good news is it's available for anyone. And Amen. And just the heart that is seeking, God will provide it for you. Amen which actually ties perfectly into the breath prayer that we're going to do. Right. Um, you can do any, you can link up any scripture with a breath prayer, but Psalm 23 is so formative and classic, and it really reveals God's character as our shepherd, mm. that we're just going to take the first verse and make it a breath prayer. And there's a, one of the versions that I like. Mm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So we're just going to make that a breath prayer. And on the in-breath, mm. we're going to say in our heart, and if I was leading a group, that we would do this. And actually, we did this four Sundays in a row. This is how mm. we began the class. Mm. As a way of practicing continually, over and over, we did the breath prayer. And the breath prayer on the in-breath, we did, the Lord is my shepherd. Take a deep breath in. Say in your heart, the Lord is my shepherd. Exhale, I have everything I need. Mm. Inhale, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And then, over time, I taught the class and the group to make it even more succinct. You could say shepherd on the in-breath, on the exhale, everything. And so we'll do that here. So on the in-breath, I'll just say, in your heart, just say shepherd. So in-breath, shepherd. Exhale, everything. Shepherd, inhale, everything. And I encourage you to continue that. You could even press pause and just do that for five or ten more breaths. When we did that as a class, that really um, brought us into sync, brought us into the conscious awareness that God is already present with us. And saying yes. And saying mm-hmm. yes to it. That's yeah. this practice. Mm-hmm. We consciously, if we remember the vision, mm-hmm. that's why it's never about the practices. Right. Any good practice, mm-hmm. reading the Bible, going to church, singing songs of worship, memorizing, it's actually not about that practice, mm-hmm. but it's about becoming a kind of people. So, we, like you said, we have to remember oh, this is God saying yes to us mm-hmm. because this, is, this breath prayer is so good to us. But maybe our kids do it routinely for 20 years, and then their kids are like, why do we do this? Mm. So we have to remind each other, mm-hmm. this is why we do it, to hear God say yes to us, so that we can say yes to others when we perceive they're our enemies, or they want something from us, and we can be generous with them. Right, because we, when we are in the state of no, it creates story. So I think Mm. Stephen Porges talk about state drives story. So if we are not aware, we are not in yes state, from the state of no, 
those stories of fear, stories of, oh, it's not enough, I will not have enough, no one is with me, I have to fend for myself, all this story will come up. Mm. Then there's no way I can love my enemy. I cannot even love myself. So then I need to be in the state of yes. Mm. That yes state will create a story that I have everything I need. Then I can relax a little. I can just... Let it go a little. Mm. I can give the other person a little bit of a space. And Mm. it's not a magic, but those little practices, the breath prayer, Mm -hmm. really helps me to switch the gear from no to yes. Even though I can slip back into no, I can always have a way back to yes. And the more you practice, the more you build that bridge from no to yes. Yes. And if you do it as a community, and so I would love it. Maybe I'll create a little breath prayer as a standalone episode Mm. that I would love for all of us who are listening to do before you listen to the next podcast, like Mm. we would do in the class. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we can figure it out together. But just may you hear God's yes every time you practice this breath prayer. And I wanted to share here that there is, um, when you do breathing, there's so much actually. Maybe we could do a whole episode on the power of breathing and the science of it and the research on that. But you were saying it's not magic, but I want to say it's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And we want to live in increasingly wise ways that build up relationships. Thank you, Han, for being with me in this uh, episode. And we're um, finding our way and learning to say yes to one another, hear God's yes, because we really we have to be filled with thousands of hearing God's yes, and actually being the kind of people who affirm non-verbally, verbally, verbally, yes to one another. Amen. And so we Just remember that my life, current life, God's million yeses has brought me here. And I bet another thousands of, of thousands of yeses will take me back home. Not only the present moment I can find home, but ultimately I will see Jesus face to face. Amen. May Mm -hmm. we know that the Lord is our shepherd, and in every single moment we have everything that we need. Amen. God bless you. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.